You mentioned we haven't built any dams or reservoirs. Mm -hmm. Why? So I'll give you an example. There's a reservoir proposed in Northern California called Sites Reservoir. It's been on the books since the 1980s. Still can't get it built. Shasta Dam, that was the central part of the Central Valley Project for agriculture. They've been trying to raise it just 18 feet. Yield about 600,000 acre feet of extra water storage. It's a lot of water. Can't get it done because lawsuit after lawsuit is filed. Now there are some talks that we have to cut our usage significantly. Californians, like all Americans, if you ask us temporarily to do something, if there's a crisis, an emergency, we'll pitch in and do it. The problem is the state wants to have these permanent cuts in water usage. But at the end of the day, they don't want to solve the problem. It's easy to use the hammer of the state government and say, you will cut 20% of your water usage. There is enough water in any year, in 14 days worth of storms, that if you could capture it, you'd have enough for the entire year. California is pushing for more aggressive water conservation and soon it may become mandatory for people to cut their water usage. But is this the best way to solve California's water shortage? My guest today is Brett Barbary, former water board member of your Valindo Water District. Today he'll explain why California's water shortage is largely due to our state's inability to capture it and how proper infrastructure could provide us enough water. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. It's great to be back. We want to talk to you about our water issues. Okay. And it's true that we have had drought, uh, less rain the last few years, but are we responsible for some of this water shortage that we are seeing now in the state of California? Well, if you say the royal we, I would say the state of California and the feds are largely responsible because we have not continued with the building of our water infrastructure. Um, if you look at our infrastructure, major facilities, the last major reservoir was built by Metropolitan in Southern California, 1999. Before that, 1979. Before that, everything was the 70s, 60s, and down into the teens and 20s. So we really have not kept up with the population growth. And so you're gonna have built-in droughts and shortages. Dr droughts happen. And we're used to that. And the engineers are really smart. They know how to overcome that. But we've not built the necessary storage to keep up with population growth. And the population has doubled since then. Is mm -hmm. Isn't that doubled since 70s or mm -hmm. since when? Yeah, uh, it's about 20 million. Back then, we're almost 40 million. So we've become more efficient in how we use our water, at least in Southern California. We use our water multiple times. In Orange County, we take the sewer flows and we recycle it, put it back in the groundwater basin and pump it out. So we're very efficient with the use of that water. The rest of the state, not so much, and we're letting so much just run out to the ocean. You mentioned we haven't built any dams or reservoirs. Mm -hmm. Why? Need to be politic here, but I think it's primarily because there's a bias against building reservoirs, whether on stream or off stream. And there's a belief that we need to preserve the environment and 
to me, preserving that water to use smarter is far more important. So I'll give you an example. There's a reservoir proposed in Northern California called Sites Reservoir. It's been on the books since the 1980s. Still can't get it built. They were trying to build it since They've the 1980s. They've been trying to build it since the 1980s. Um, Shasta Dam, that was the central part of the Central Valley Project for agriculture. They've been trying to raise it just 18 feet, yield about 600,000 acre feet of extra water storage. It's a lot of water. Can't get it done because lawsuit after lawsuit is filed. And really, if you look at the development of our water resources and our roads, um, you go to the early 70s when the first environmental um, CEQA went into effect, the California Environmental Quality Act, and that's been used effectively to stop these big projects. And that's really hurt society. And there's a supply and demand side when it comes to water. Demand will always go up. As you have more people, you're going to have more of a demand. But if the supply isn't going up as well, you're going to have an imbalance. And that's why the state loves to focus just on the demand side, because then they can put in controls and they can tell you how they think you should use your water. You, know, you hear them refer to ornamental turf. Well, you and I know that as grass. I've got grandkids, I've got big dogs that like to run on grass. Well, that's considered ornamental turf. It's not terribly useful. So the state wants to get rid of grass. An individual swimming pool, they think that's a waste of water. They're okay with you going to a community pool, but not an individual pool. So th there's, this, there's this mindset coming out of Sacramento and the environmental community that they want to tell everybody how to live and how to use their water. And this, this goes across a whole broad spectrum, but in the water community, it's really profound. Now, uh, how do we use our water? Like, what is uh, our water used for? Some are, is going to agriculture, some, uh, from what I know, some is going to the environment. Can you tell us more about this? Sure, 50% of um, fruits and nuts and vegetables are grown in California. We are the breadbasket for the world. So historically, water has been consumed by ag. The Central Valley Project, the first large water project in California was for the Central Valley, and it is a virtual breadbasket. It's phenomenal. But if you look at the state of California, roughly 200 million acre feet of water in an average year somehow hits the state, whether it's rain, snow, rolls in from Oregon or Nevada or Arizona. It's about 200 million acre feet. Of that, roughly half goes right back into the environment, goes into the streams, groundwater basins evaporates. So you're left with 100 million acre feet of kind of usable water. Well, of that 50%, so 50 million acre feet, is taken out for environmental purposes only. So you can't touch that. So now you're down to a, to a little, to a quarter of what hits the state. And of that quarter, 40% um, goes to ag and the rest to urban. So, so when you look at the whole pie. So 80% of that quarter, yeah, so 80%. Yeah, so 80, so 80%. If, if you look at the entire circle of all the water that hits the state of California, 40% goes to ag, 
10% goes to humans. And half is going to emissions. And, and the rest is all for environmental. Can you explain the environmental part? Because I've heard that to, to let some type of a fish in the deltas, we yeah, have to. Th th there has been, if, if you look at um, the amount of water that flows down the state water project, which was built in the 60s, and we have the ability to move a drop of water from the Oregon-California border down to the Mexico-California border. Great system, wonderfully designed. Um, but the water keeps getting cut because they find a different fish or a different um, critter that needs to be protected. And so they require pulse flows. So if a creek gets dry, they require that water be released so that the fish can go up and spawn. Um, you know, one of my favorite far side cartoons is it's, it's called Joe's Fish Service. And it's, um, it's a picture of a guy, Joe, in a big rubber boat, and he's got a bunch of sh uh, fish in there, and he's taking them up upstream to spawn. And it, it's kind of a you know, funny commentary. But in real life, we do that. We capture fish. We spend a lot of money to capture fish, stick them in, in a big tanker truck, and drive them upstream to drop them off to spawn. So we're interrupting a lot of that environmental cycle as it is, and yet we're requiring a lot of water releases to make sure they can get back downstream. So there are communities where they're told you can't grow your food this year, you can't have domestic water uh, because we need to release it for the fish. And why is nobody looking into this? Well, they are, but lawsuit after lawsuit and you get judicial decisions that say, no, you have to protect these. On the state water project, I think the number is 16. If you have 16 fish, little tiny fish that get pulled into the pumps, they have to shut down. So if you get 16 delta smelt into the pumps at uh, the pumping, the big pumping plant, you have to shut it down. So 16 fish. And so that harms the ability to really move water. Y you hear talk about state water project was never finished. Uh, Governor Brown tried to do the peripheral canal, and there was a vote in 1982. State of California shot it down. So they forced the Delta to become a conveyance facility. So you have all these huge movements of water through there. And when they turn on the pumps at the bottom of um, the Delta, it reverses the flow of rivers because they're so strong. And so it tells me that we're destroying the delta by forcing it to become a conveyance facility. So we need to build a pipeline around it. That was part of the original plan going back to the 1950s, but we still have not finished that. Why not? Um, the closest we came was about 2018, 2019, Metropolitan, and I was on the board at, at the time. We agreed to pay for the twin tunnels, which would be two tunnels underneath the delta. We agreed to pay for them. Wouldn't take any state money, no federal money. Uh, the federal project could participate. We agreed to do it. Governor Brown was supportive of it. He left office. Governor Newsom came in and said, no, we're not gonna do it. We'll maybe do one tunnel. So now we're going back through another 10, 15, 20 years of environmental studies to determine if one tunnel will be sufficient. So it's, kind of uh, paralysis by analysis.
the state leaders, Governor Newsom, had asked us to cut our usage by 15%. Mm -hmm. I think the consumers only cut back by 4%. Now there are some talks that we have to cut our usage significantly. What are your thoughts on this? You know, Californians, like all Americans, if you ask us temporarily to do something, if there's a crisis, an emergency, we'll pitch in and do it. You know, in Orange County, we had a pipeline that blew out. We asked people to cut back, you know, 50%, and they did, because they knew it was temporary. The problem is the state wants to have these permanent cuts in water usage. And they'll blame climate change, they'll blame this, they'll blame that. But at the end of the day, they don't want to solve the problem. It's easy to use the hammer of the state government and say, you will cut 20% of your water usage. But they really don't look at the regional areas. Southern California has invested billions of dollars in our infrastructure, building new supplies of water. We have a desal plant in Carlsbad that we're paying for locally. We tried to get one in Huntington Beach, but the Coastal Commission shot that down and said, no, you can't build it. And they said, you'll have too much water, which never understand how you can have too much water. We've built storage in Southern California. We've built recycled water facilities. So Southern California, we've prepared for droughts. We've invested for that. The rest of the state hasn't. And to me, it's patently unfair for the governor to step in and say, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody needs to share equally in the shortage. And the reason they have a shortage in Northern California is they don't have storage. They don't build enough storage. And when you don't, you don't have a good snowpack, you're not going to have good storage and you're not going to have um, a supply that melts slowly. It's going to come down in storms. You know, there is enough water in any year in 14 days worth of storms that if you could capture it, you'd have enough for the entire year. Even yep. these drought years? But even the drought year, yeah. I mean, remember, December, huge storms. If we'd had the proper facilities, we could have filled everything up. We just didn't build them, or we don't we, even... We, we don't, we don't have the capacity for it. You know, the Colorado River is suffering through a 20-plus year drought. And really, the system hasn't been full since the 80s, so it's almost 40 years. But they have an average flow of 15 million acre-feet on the average, that's the, the flow. But they have 60 million acre-feet of available storage, which means every drop in that watershed they can capture and hold and use. And that's why we've been able to go through 20, 30, 40 years of drought and really not suffer much. State of California, Sacramento, San Joaquin Bay Delta, which is the hub of the water for the state, gets about 32 million acre-feet of water in flows each year. Yet we only have 16 million acre-feet of storage. So Colorado River, you have four times the average flows in storage available. State of California, only 50%. So if we had more storage, then we probably just need maybe five, six million acre-feet more of storage. If we had that, we'd withstand any drought. And we wouldn't need to do any cuts. We wouldn't need to do conservation. We wouldn't need to do any of that. People could have grass if they wanted. They could have trees. They could have cactus, whatever they want. But, you know, now the state's getting into telling people what kind of plants they can have. You know, there's certain plants they're going to outlaw because, oh, that uses too much water. 
And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in freedom. Why do you think this is happening? Why do you think so something like this? If we have all the water, we just need to store it. Why do you think the leaders don't want to go this route? Isn't it hurting our agriculture as well? I don't, I don't think they think that far down the road. And I think a lot of the elites that run you know, the academic facilities and the governmental facilities look down on the ag community. You know, you ask most kids in school, you know, where does broccoli come from? Well, the store. Well, they don't understand that it's how it's grown and where it's grown. You know, nuts, we, we produce almost 100% of the nuts, not the political nuts, but you know, <laughs> the, the consumed nuts in California and the fresh fruit. You know, if you go back east, you don't have the same fresh produce we have here. And a lot of it is imported from other countries. Um, we're very fortunate to have this. And, you know, on a global basis, we know there's a shortage of oil and oil production. And yet our federal government is shutting down and not allowing production. I can't explain why. Makes no sense to me. Seems to me if we're energy independent, that means we don't have to get involved in these endless wars in the Middle East where a lot of the production occurs. And the fact that um, I was reading something in Pennsylvania and New York does not allow pipelines across New York to Massachusetts. So when Massachusetts needs heating oil, they have to buy it from Venezuela and ship it up. Said it just so I mean there, there's just crazy policies like that and with with water I really don't like to ascribe reasons why I think there's a belief that if we can put people in high density apartments near the water near the coast that's the preferred living and then leave the compounds for everybody else I mean it's the, there's a huge divide in this state and you see it in the Democrat Party between the Democrats elected along the coast and the Democrats elected inland. Ones inland, they're very concerned about jobs, jobs being produced because their constituents need jobs. They need water. They're in warmer climates. They need electricity. Um, the fact that this state wants to get rid of natural gas and rely only on electricity, and yet we're getting rid of facilities to generate electricity, getting rid of nuclear, getting rid of more hydro, and trying to rely only on solar. Long term, that's a problem. You know, where I live, I live up in the hills and we have fires. And when you have fires, Edison shuts off the power. Well, if you only have electric pumps, how do you pump the water to the upper elevations to fight the fires? So we had to install permanent natural gas generators. Well, you get rid of those, you can't go to diesel because the AQMD won't permit diesel generators. Can't do propane because you have to pipe that in. So it's, th there are a lot of things going on. I can't explain why, and I'm not gonna ascribe why, but I know what it could lead to, and that's, that's a problem. So Let's say we do take the cuts. So there's significant cuts that are proposed. Mm -hmm. Let's say we do it as consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, what about the ag community? Are they gonna have to take these cuts as well? Well, uh, they've been cut for years. 
and they've been getting zero allocations for the last couple of years. And so that's a problem. They've had to tap the groundwater basins and drill deeper to find more and more water. The way the groundwater basins work is you can't fill them up quickly. That's why you have big reservoirs. Because when those big slugs of water come down um, from rainstorms, you hold it in the reservoir. And reservoirs provide four benefits. You get flood control, which is the primary. You get water storage. You can put generators and generate electricity. Then you have recreation. But one of the benefits of the water storage is you can then release it slowly to percolate down into the groundwater basins, which is a very efficient way of, of holding. You have huge groundwater basins in the state, but they get contaminated. That occurs, and you have to treat that. And you can't fill them up very quickly. That's why you need the big reservoirs. So they need to work, work together. Um, what's going to happen is people are going to say, OK, I'll cut my water usage. And what's going to happen? The city or the water district is going to say, thank you for cutting back. But because you cut back so much, we lost X amount of revenue. So you know how we're going to reward you? We're going to raise your rates. So we're going to have to take the cut. Take the cut in water usage. And then pay Let your irrigation it. go. Let, let, your, let, your, um, let your grass die. Let trees die, whatever. And then they're going to charge you more because they didn't sell enough water. So a lot of their, you know, the, the smarter districts will set, will set their budgets, and I don't want to get too technical on this, but they'll set their budget where the commodity rate kind of floats separately. So what you pay per you know, unit of water floats by itself. So if it's cut 30% or 20% or you have a lot of rain, it doesn't have an impact on the rest of the budget. But most districts don't do, do that. It's easier to charge a smaller connection fee and then make a lot of money off how much you sell. And the more you sell, the better it is for their budget. Except when the state steps in and says you will cut by X amount. Now, do you think average people understand that we have to bother and we, we just need to capture it, but we haven't been doing a good job of building the infrastructure? M most people don't think about water. I mean, most people get up, turn on the faucet. As long as they paid their bill, they're, you know, the water's there. So we're a society where we're used to abundance. The West was created for abundance. Hoover Dam was built for abundance, an abundance of electricity for the West. That's Bureau of Reclamation was established by the feds to provide flood control and water storage for humans. And they were to create an abundance so the West could grow. And Southern California would be nothing without Hoover Dam, without the LA Aqueduct, and without the Colorado River Aqueduct. That's what changed the state forever. Hoover Dam, you know how much that costs the taxpayers? How much? Zero. Because they built a huge hydro facility and they sold those contracts for people to purchase power. And from the sale of the power, that paid for the whole construction of Hoover Dam. So that's how smart our you know, the folks were 100 years ago. They would put together these projects, 
they would front the money and it was all paid back through the sale of electricity. Southern California, a lot of the electricity we pay for from Hoover Dam that paid for that facility, pays for the ongoing facilities. Now, do you think the current strategy of the state is to, to cut back and also hope for more rain? Is that what you're hoping for or is that? You know, hope is not a good public policy. I, I believe you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And by preparing for the worst, it means you're preparing for shortages. So you're building an abundance of storage. It's like your personal bank account. When, when you're doing great, you're socking money away in, in your savings account because you know there may be some times where you're a little short. That's why you have the savings account. Same thing with water. It's, it's a basic principle. And the state likes to work on the edge and drive everything based on shortages. They want to have just enough electricity to meet the needs. They want to have just enough water to meet the needs. But if you have a drought or you have a really hot spell, you're going to come up short. So why not have an abundance built in? Plus, if you have an abundance, you can drop the, the price. You know, LA Times did an article a couple weeks ago about who, they need to em who California needs to emulate for good policy, water policy. And they mentioned Israel. 20% of Israel, they, they, sorry, Israel creates a 20% surplus of water every year because they know there may be something that comes up. So they have that 20% swag. That's smart policy. You know, there are Middle Eastern countries that, that create, they have to create the water out of the sea because they don't have enough where they are, but they want to build and they want to grow. But they build in that extra amount. And that's just smart. Businesses that sock away 20% are smart because they have that cash if they need to grow. Now, in terms of the cuts, what is it going to look like for the consumers? Is it a 20%, 30% cut? Do we, how far do you think we have to go? I would say in, in the Southern California area, we're pretty well off. We should not have any cuts. I know Met voted to implement some cuts. I don't really understand why they did that because they have more than enough water in storage. But even if they do a 10% cut, 10% is pretty easy. Um, but in 2015, they had up to 36% cuts. That's a huge amount. 36% cut is significant. And there's that corollary cut to the budget, significant cut to the budget, which means they're going to have to raise rates significantly. So you're going to have a lot of political upheaval if they go beyond probably 10%. 10% easy. You know, cut back, you know, couple days a week watering, that's sufficient. Then the grass won't die and we won't have that. Yeah, I mean, th there, there are certain things you can do to be more efficient in how you use the water. You know, do satellite timers, things like that. Um, you know, make sure you water at night, not during the day. Do some hand watering. Um, easy things like that. We're pretty efficient inside. The, uh, the toilets are pretty efficient. Shower heads, you know. There were some arguments of not bringing water to customers in restaurants when people come unless mm -hmm. their guests are asking. Is this being like penny-wise and pound-foolish? Like, is this, does this, does it gonna go anywhere? Is it, there it a lot of water that's? Y you know, that, that's more, um, how do I be polite? It's 
trying to appear like you're doing something, it probably doesn't make a big difference at the end of the day, but it makes you feel good. So there are a lot of feel-good measures. Now, do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Um, they need to really talk to their legislators about being prepared. You know, we have the last big drought in 2015, and we went through the same cycle, and nothing has been done since then. We passed $2.7 billion in bonds to build more storage. We're not building storage. So what are we doing? And it's that inaction that's so frustrating. I just want to get things done. People just want to get things done. And, you know, I talk about how my great-grandparents who lived in L.A., they paid for, they voted for and paid for the Los Angeles aqueduct. So my great-grandparents, they took care of their next generation. My grandparents, who also lived in L.A., they approved the bonds that built the Colorado River Aqueduct. And that's a great legacy and that saved us. My parents voted for and approved um, the state water project bonds. And I look at my generation and wh you know, what are we that you know, grew up in the 60s and 70s, what are we leaving for our kids and grandkids? We haven't built anything. We've got more lawsuits. We have a lot of environmental consultants and how when, you try, when government tries to build something, they have all these consultants that take all the money majority, and to actually get the project done. You can't get it done. Same thing in the water community. We're not building. It's not difficult. We've got really smart engineers. We've known what needs to be done. It's a lack of the public policy will. And when you don't have the public policy to approve that, and get it moving, the engineers are stuck doing nothing. And so these smart engineers can figure out these things. They can, they can figure out how to work around earthquake faults. They can figure out everything that's raised in court. They can figure out how to deal with fish. You know, um, 15 years ago I read a study that this guy had been working in the Delta and he figured out if you do flows in certain times of the year, you don't need to waste a lot of water, but when you know the fish are coming back, you can be flagged, you can make sure there's enough water, they can make it through, but you don't have to do it year round. And he said, we, we can be smarter about this. And we know a lot, and these engineers are smart. We should rely on them. And farmers, farmers know what they're doing. They're, they're trained, they've got the sense to withstand seven year droughts. That's how they build their systems, but they're not allowed to operate that way anymore. So let's let the people that know what they're doing do it, instead of some bureaucrat in Sacramento, you know, sitting on some commission with no experience, decide how the state should run. Brett Barbary, former Water Board member, it was great to have you on California Insider, thank you. Great to be here again, thanks. <laughs>